Hi there, it's Christian and Harvey, aka Shouting is Funny. Before diving into the episode, we wanted to let you know about our Patreon club. Yes, indeedy, over at shoutingisfunny.com, you can sign up to our Patreon and gain access to a variety of goodies. We have a gallery of concept art full of never-before-seen artwork. Downloadable ringtones and wallpapers for your devices. And, starting in March, Inside Wild Hollow, an exclusive behind-the-scenes podcast. Woohoo! it's going to be good. Very exciting. Bi-weekly episodes available only to our patrons. So, starting from as little as £3 a month, you can support us in making even more stuff and enjoy some tasty treats in the process. Very VIP. Anyway, back to Wild Hollow. The Lilypad Lounge throbbed like a beating heart. Music rattled through the building, pouring out onto the bustling streets of Fortuna City. Fandango Borsan was perched at the bar, talking to a couple of frogs. I ain't a snake, but I can tell something's got you rattled. Take your questions elsewhere before you get us both mixed up in a cocktail of bad news. You know, I should... Well, this is just wonderful to see a brand new face here at our humble establishment. Madam Marlo is my name. I see you've already met Martha. Martha, will you go and count stock in the office, please? As Martha sullenly dragged her heels towards the office, she felt Madam Marlowe's eyes burning into the back of her skull. Apologies about Martha. She's really struggling with Good for nothing. She mumbled as she entered the dimly lit room. Brown barrels were stacked at the far end. A chemical smell wafted about her. She squinted through the haze. (gasps) Camouflaged in the shadows, a slender figure leant against the barrels, the slow, rhythmic windmill of a twirling dagger betwixt furry, red fingers. The smuggler. I've heard about you. Martha's words hung in the air. A shiver ran down the frog's slimy spine. This is the sludge, right? So I got a sign for this stuff. I don't take signatures. I take my money and I take my leave. Martha scrabbled to the desk and pulled out a hefty sack of gold coins. She held it out in front of her, quivering under the dull filament bulb. It's all here. Marlowe made me check it three times over. Said the smuggler wouldn't be too happy getting underpaid. Martha caught a glimpse of red fur as the smuggler's paw darted out into the light, snatching the coins. Right. If that's all, I've another drop to make. Wait, please. Marlowe keeps us in the dark, but I can tell she's in deep with something nasty. Can you tell me what this sludge stuff is really for? It's gotta be more than just a ploy to boost business. The smuggler stepped out from the shadows, a slender fox in a forest green jerkin. Tucked into her leather belt was an ornate silver dagger. Her emerald eyes stared at Martha. There are bigger players in this game than your froggy pals. I found asking questions is a sure way to get yourself killed. A look of anguish flickered across Martha's face. She looked at the barrels, crestfallen. You're new here, aye? Yes. You seem nice. Too nice for this place. Listen, you want my advice? Trust no one. This world is filled with cutthroats and cowards. Get out while you still can. She turned and headed for the back door. Thank you. Friend. I'm not your friend. Round here, a dagger is the best friend you can have. Then, what can I call you? 
Artemis. Artemis Gree. A grin danced upon the smuggler's lips for a brief moment, and she dashed into the night. In a far-off place, an endless forest grows. A land where adventure lurks around every corner. A land where legends are made. A land called Wild Hollow. Chronicles of Wild Hollow, The Grey Trilogy Episode 1, A Smuggler's Honour Wild Hollow was a mere dot on the horizon. A merchant ship carved its way through the waves of the Crispian Sea, its destination, Fortuna Harbour. Blimey, it's cold tonight. Well, put your pants back on, then. Goodness sake. The usual cargo of hollow rum was stacked in barrels below deck. Nothing out of the ordinary, you would have thought. But on this particular evening... Oi, Jweer, Captain caught a stowaway. What? He caught her behind the barrels, rum all over her whiskers. Now, now, gentlemen. Gossip is not welcome in my crew. Sorry, Captain. Right you are. The tall, scraggly hound nodded curtly, a marvellous moustache bristling along his stiff upper lip. The captain descended the steps below deck. The wind faded to a distant howl. The waves muffled through the oakwood hull. Deeper and deeper, the sea dog ventured before finally arriving in the brig. A shadow lurked in the corner of the darkest cell. You're a long way from home again, Miss Gray. Well, you know me, Captain. I never can resist a trip aboard your beautiful vessel. The captain lit a lantern on the table behind him. The golden red light spilled across the floorboards and into the cell, revealing Artemis Grey. I must say, your visitations are becoming so regular, I may as well induct you as part of the crew. As flattering as that is, I'd rather steal from you than work for you. How did you get on in Fortuna last month, by the way? My contractor wasn't particularly pleased when I arrived with only a third of his shipment. Oh, that's a shame. He certainly seemed cheerful enough when I sold him the rest three hours later. The captain sneered through the bars. Yes, I imagine he was. How unfortunate that you weren't able to pull the same stunt this evening. Not tonight. I've taken a sabbatical. Personal reasons. I believe that when scum water becomes a hotel resort. Honestly, just passing through. Got a bit thirsty, had a wee drink. Hope you don't mind. But tonight, I'm just a passenger. <sighs> Correction. Tonight, Miss Gray, you're a prisoner. The captain turned again to the table, picking up an ornate carved object. Ivory white, curved to a point and detailed with scripture and symbols. So which poor sod did you swipe this from then? He tossed the object into the air, then caught it again. Be careful! The captain paused, eyeing Artemis with sudden curiosity. Interesting. I wasn't aware you cared for anything other than your own skin. I just mean the poor sod I swiped that from might not be too happy if it got damaged. The two glared at each other before the captain took a closer look at what he held. These runes, they're old world. I'd almost say this was... Ship approaching starboard! 
The captain spun towards the noise, his eyes fearful. No, you didn't. Like I said, not too happy. At that moment, a cannonball exploded through the hull behind Artemis, smashing through the cell door and launching the captain across the brig. Artemis clambered through the wreckage and crouched at the captain's side. I'm sorry. I didn't mean for this. You've doomed all of us. The dog went limp, his paw falling to one side, the object still in his grasp. I'll be taking this back. Artemis prized the precious cargo from the dog's dead grip before turning towards the growing commotion. Cries of panic and clashing of sword on sword, Artemis bounded out of the brig and up the stairs, out onto the deck. A heavily tattooed otter with a rag for an eye patch bellowed orders to his invading crew. She's here, she's gotta be here. Check below deck and let's commandeer this ship. Sorry for barging in, but you be harboring a stowaway. There's an easy way for us to all proceed. I'd recommend putting up a fight. Surrender now and give us what we need. The pirates swarmed the deck, seizing the merchants and throwing them to the ground at the foot of the mast. Artemis was frozen in the doorway of the stairs, horrified by the sight. They had found her. Ah. Decided to show your fur then, Miss Grey. Right then, listen to me. Every soul on board the ship will die. Unless you come with us and I'd appreciate it if you could resist the usual pantomime you play. We're not in the mood for a run around. You stole from us and now you have to pay. Thief and a crook, give us back. We can talk from us, run. Artemis had pounced into the air, scurrying up the rigging. She swung herself onto the mast and began to edge her way along the narrow wooden beam, her adversaries in hot pursuit. A fearsome bearded dragon stalked her from below. Crew, you know what to do. How about we show this girl exactly how we feel? Christmas line up on the deck and kneel! I think an execution might be due. How heavy can your conscience get, Fox, before you realise you're through? Kane, might I remind you that I give the orders around here? Relax, Oswick. I'm just doing what needs to be done. Now then... Kane placed the tip of his blade at the nearest merchant's throat. How about we start with you? Wait! <sighs> We might as well have a chat, seeing as you've gone to all the trouble. Leave them alone. The otter eyed Artemis suspiciously. No games, Osric. I'm coming with you. Osric called out to the rest of the crew. Grab her! We spare the rest! Artemis was suddenly seized from behind. A burly beaver stuffed a rag into her mouth, wrapped her tightly in ropes, and hoisted her onto his shoulder. The bearded dragon held back. One last thing! Kane! We're done here! Kane looked down through the cracked deck at the barrels of hollow rum. He leered at the cowering merchants before snatching up a lantern and tossing it down onto the kegs. Kane! They were innocent! Everyone, back to the crown! The hull was alive with flames. The last few pirates clambered back aboard their invading ship with the fox as smoke began to seep from below deck. Artemis stared in horror as the merchant vessel was engulfed in the inferno. The screams ebbed away one by one until finally, silence fell.
The bowels of the crown creaked, salty night air whistling through the cracks in the ship. There was a frenzied hustle and bustle as the crew marched across the deck. Artemis bound in ropes and held aloft. Osric addressed the crew. Bring her down below! We've got the whale song already, Osric. Why can't we just throw her overboard? We must honour the code, Kane. We can't just toss people overboard willy-nilly. Kane grunted, his reptilian scales bristling. He barged past the crew and headed down the stairs. Osric watched him go and turned to the others. Take her to the cabin. Anyone seen my pickled eggs? The pirates piled into the cabin, dropping Artemis down and forming a crowd around her. She sat up on her knees and surveyed the space. Back again, she thought. It had been two weeks since she had stuck aboard the ship in search of the whale song. While the crew had been making merry in the taverns of Sinner's Cove, she had scaled the empty vessel, broken into the captain's chamber, and slipped away into the night with the ancient artifact. But there was something different about the place now, something more... somber. The shutters were closed, and large curtains were hung around the room, like ominous spectres. How did you find me? When we found the whale song was gone, we asked around and heard there'd been a fox spotted skulking around the harbour. Didn't take us long to put two and two together, Miss Grey. You have quite the reputation. Well, two weeks could be considered a fairly long time. Shut it, vermin! Right. As first, mate, I will do the honours. I call this trial intercession. Where's the captain? A murmur ran through the crew. They looked edgy. Artemis's nose twitched. Take me to the Pirate King. Isn't that part of your code? Artemis Grey, you are charged with treason against the Pirate Code for the theft of the whale song and subsequent attempt of resale for personal gain. I wasn't trying to sell it. Kane boisterously tugged on her ropes, pulling Artemis back down to the floor. Course you were, dirty smuggler. There's no honour in your trade. Says you. You pirates wouldn't know honour if it bit you on the nose. The crew erupted. Osric tried to maintain order. Calm down, you lot. Why are you so precious about an old whale tooth anyway? A small penguin piped up from the crowd. It's not just a tooth. It's a beacon to another land. The song inside... Shut up, Salami. The less she knows, the better. Artemis grinned slowly. So it is real. Kane grunted. (laughs) Salami looked at her quizzically. Why would you take it if you didn't know it was real? I had a hunch, but now I'm sure... You lot have made one hell of a fuss about getting it back. I've had enough of this. Throw her overboard! Not until I've seen the captain. All of you, quiet. A spluttering cough cut through the silence from behind the heavy velvet curtain, followed by a sickly wheezing sound. Osric tried to restart the proceedings. As I was saying, you have been charged with... (coughs) Charged with treason against... (coughs) A faint voice whispered from behind the curtain. Let me see her. The pirates looked at each other nervously. Osric walked to the curtain and drew it back. Behind it was a melancholy sight. A grand four-poster bed, carved with intricate gold filigree, stood in the corner of the room. An elaborate candelabra hung above it, casting a warm glow over the silk sheets. And lying in the middle of the bed was the pirate king, a great pale walrus. He was dressed in white bedclothes and wrapped in woven blankets. Around him were several small crabs, each laden with towels, water basins and smelling salts. Benny the parrot perched by his shoulder, looking solemn in the candlelight. Artemis stared in shock. The king spoke. 
The whale song. We retrieved it, Captain. Osric approached the king's bedside and presented the treasure. The pale king tried to reach for it but could not muster the energy. Osric quickly leant forward and placed the song gently into his hand. It's back in its rightful place now, your highness. Artemis turned to Salami. What's wrong with him? Been like this for three days. Each morning he's worse than the night before. Sickness, sickness! Exactly. As Benny so eloquently said, he has a sickness. Only Payne's kiss can save him now. What's that? Well, they say it's this magic flower hidden in the Heathcliffs that can heal any ailment, but it's not easy Shut to get me. because... Keep your beak shut. The smuggler don't need to know. Artemis sat up briskly. I've heard of this flower. Back home, they used to call it the living weed. It's notoriously hard to find. Has a near indetectable scent. Osric turned from the bedside, looking the fox in the eye. And that's the problem. Even if we get to the Heathcliffs in time, we still need to sniff it out. There was an audible sigh from the pirates. As everybody knew, the years of salty sea air had all but eroded the crew's sense of smell. A look of despair played across the faces of the shipmates. A peg-legged seagull chimed in. Oh, we're done for. I can't smell nothing. He's right. I can't smell the difference between a kipper and my own bamol. Charming, Salami. True, though. Kane snarled. Are we going to have this trial or what? This no-good bin sniffer stole our sacred whale song. There must be consequences. Wait a minute. I could help you. You said you need someone to help you find the flower. I can do that. They do say foxes got great smelling skills. Kane drew a knife from his belt. Enough of this twaddle. She's lying to save her fur. Artemis looked Kane in the eye and inhaled deeply. Three pickled eggs, six pieces of fish jerky and about half a gallon of sheep's piss. Kane and the crew fell silent. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's everything that's past your lips in sunrise. Am I right? Or am I just a no-good bin sniffer? <laughs> Artemis slowly picked herself up from the floor and stood to face the crew. Now, I'll help you find your flower, but I want something in return. I want to use the whale song just once and I'll give it back. Kane spluttered and the crew broke into anxious murmurs. Osric looked at the pirate king. The walrus beckoned the otter over and whispered into his ear. After a moment, Osric turned to Artemis. Are you sure you can do this? I am. Then it's a deal. You can't give me the whale song. Only the king can use the king has decided. The fox will find the flower and then... Under my supervision, will be granted use of the whale song. Set course for the Heathcliffs. For the king we sail. For the king we sail. The crew cheered and made for their stations, cutting the ropes that bound Artemis as they went. Osric slowly drew the velvet curtain and then, together, they headed up to the deck. The bow of the crown pierced the oncoming waves cutting through the foggy night. Every member of the crew was busy fulfilling their duties, scudding around the great galleon as it made its way to the Heathcliffs. Artemis stood at the quarterdeck with Osric, who was gently resting his hands on the ship's wheel. Something feels off about it. Only last week he was guzzling rum and enchanting us all with dramatic readings from Richard III. I don't know. Maybe I'm being paranoid. The sea will do that to you. It's not the sea. It's what goes on inland that worries me. Wild Hollow's cracking up. 
I heard all sorts in Sinners Cove. People disappearing. Important people. Scumwater has lost its leaders. Now it's tearing itself apart. It's only a matter of time before the chaos spreads. I tell you, out here at sea is the safest place to be. Artemis nodded thoughtfully. She surveyed the crew, each one of them working in perfect tandem, pulling lines and heaving barrels. They smelled worse than a dust town trash can, she thought, but they seemed like a family. On the main deck, a couple of seals were helping each other clean their muskets. And down by the cannons, Salami the penguin was humming a tune as Geoffrey the burly beaver portioned gunpowder into fresh kegs. So, do you have any idea what we're in for at the Heathcliffs? Legend says there's a labyrinth within the cliff face. A cave system so full of danger that no one has come out alive. The story goes that there are ancient guardians protecting the flower. They say it's the last of its kind in all wild or low. Sounds like a challenge. A scary challenge. A little voice croaked up. For a moment, Artemis was unsure where it had come from. And then she noticed a small, shell-like creature attached to the ship's wheel, smiling up at her. That's little mollusk. They keep lookout on this ship. Not the most agile of lookouts, mine. Hey, I'm your barnacle, you know. I just happen to like this spot. Pleased to meet you. So what's the plan? Uh, get to the Heathcliffs, you sniff around, dodge the booby traps and find the flower. Grind it up with a splash of seawater and there we have it. A cure for any ailment. That easy, eh? Well, we better hope so. For everyone's sake. If we lose the captain, the mood could turn. Not everyone is too happy about you using the whale song. What do you want it for, anyhow? I'm... looking for someone. Must be someone important for you to go to all this trouble. Artemis smiled and leaned against the mast. You know what, you were very chatty for someone who had me tied up as a prisoner not half an hour ago. I was just following my orders. First mate has to follow the code. I just want what's best for the king and his ship. A gust of wind caught the sail and the heavy fog that had been shrouding the ship suddenly faded. Little Mollusk called out, Land ho! The crown sat, anchored a league away from the Heathcliffs. They dwarfed the galleon. Basalt columns clustered together into a gargantuan wall. They loomed above the crashing waves, dark and eerie. Good luck trying to navigate those waters, Osric. You'll be fish food before you can say shiver me timbers. I need you to pipe down. This is not the time for jokes. Our king is not well this day. Oh, why don't we ask the fox? She seems to have an answer for everything. Where is she, anyway? The crew ran to the port side of the boat. Artemis and Salami were bobbing on the water in a small skiff, a second one floating by their side. Are we done whining? Hurry up, time's not our friend! Half of the pirates quickly clambered down into the rowing boats and set off toward the cliffs, leaving the crown with the remainder of the crew. The sea smashed and swelled. Row, mates! Joffrey, you beaver! Get those webbed feet in the water and push us! Your sword! The pirates pushed on. As they drew closer to the looming cliffs, Cain bellowed over the voluminous undulation of the waves. Okay, I'll see a way through! That's our way in! The skiffs were thrown towards the cave's mouth by the thunderous wind. It looked impossible, but they slipped through, narrowly avoiding oblivion. 
Inside, the cavern was huge. Within this nautical cathedral, the water was calm, and a mystical light ebbed from the walls. Oh, blow me down. We must be wary of sea magics. <laughs> Tales of fishwives. We're here. Press on. Ahead of them, the cave forked into two parts. Identical in nature, this truly was a question of left or right. This truly is a question of left or right. My head's telling me right. But maybe that's because right means correct. But what if this is a mind game? They want us to think it's right because we subconsciously associate the word right with correct. This would imply that we should in reality take the left-hand route. We could just leave. That's always an option. Silence, you flightless idiot. We're postulating over here. Whilst the pirates bickered, Artemis closed her eyes and inhaled. The dank air, the salt of the sea, Geoffrey the beaver's salmon-tainted breath. Suddenly, she discerned a new smell amongst the aromas of the cavern. I've got the scent of the flower. Which way? Artemis opened her eyes. Right. We go right. Right? But we've just established that right is bad and left is right. Shut up, you fool. We go right. Aye. The fox has a mighty fine nose on her. We go right. Oi, you go right. I'm going left. Who's with me? You're a joke. Osric, we don't have time for this. Just let those fools do what they want. Fine, go left. If you get lost, it's your own fault. Promptly, Geoffrey took command of his skiff. The accompanying crew members were filled with a new sense of purpose and drive. The little boat shot through the docile waters. We're going to save the captain! Yeah! Artemis, Osric, Kane, and Salami veered right. As they rode forward, they heard Geoffrey scream. Indeed, it was a giant bloody octopus. A gargantuan beast erupted from the left-hand cave. Its slick, muscular tentacles plucked the terrified pirates into the air, one by one, crushing the life from them. Gore stained the crystal-clear salt water. Then, just as swiftly as the carnage had begun, the mucilaginous appendages slipped back beneath the water. By the sea gods. Journey on. Shall we? They continued into the gloom. The fox's nasal strength quickly brought them to a small cove. A jagged stairwell reached up towards a glimmer of light. They moored the skiff and began to climb. It's too quiet. It doesn't feel like it's being guarded. Legend says the guardians of this flower are elusive and deadly. We should watch ourselves. Reaching the top of the stairs, the cave opened onto a large, rocky ledge. The sunlight hit the pirates, the sea breeze licking their faces. The plateau felt quite serene. Wild grass poked through the stone, swaying gently. To their side, a large boulder protruded from the cliff face. Maybe the guardians aren't even hostile. I would consider myself a guardian of fun and laughter, and I'm by no means hostile. Salami, fun and laughter aren't quite as difficult to come by as an ancient mythical healing flower. Tell that to Cain. Cain's dour expression twisted into an ugly smirk. What do you mean? I love fun. Remember how happy I was when we had to slaughter those merchants to rescue Miss Grey? <laughs> I suppose comedy is subjective. The crew stopped dead in their tracks. 
The piercing scream had come from behind the boulder. What in the deep dark sea was that? Kane's knife shot out in the blink of an eye. Maybe some diplomacy before we jump straight to violence. Diplomacy? Now, they sound terrified. We should rush them. Could we make an offering? I swear I've got a mackerel in my pocket somewhere. Enough! Kane strode towards the boulder, blade at the ready. The others followed warily. Preparing themselves for what lay beyond, they took a deep breath, then dived out into the clearing. What the? Three dodos stood before them, clad in togas. The portly birds were standing around a small purple flower that poked out from a crack in the ground. They seemed to be arguing. Rick! The flower must never leave this spot. I agree with you, brother Embrontatos, but not for your reasoning of it being a beacon of worship. We must study it as alchemists to harness its abilities and spread good health to all. Rick! Silence! Health means nothing. I agree with you, Brother Gaidros, that we must harness its properties, but we must prioritize a means of profit. Imagine the riches we could gain. Rick! Have you two forgotten our oath? Ever since Dodos came to Wild Hollow, we have known our purpose. Guardians, resistors of temptation, while our species dwindled. We are the final three. If we expose its true power, our sacrifice will have been for nothing. Will you shut your beaks for one moment? The flightless birds froze mid-philosophizing and turned to the pirates. They were ugly creatures, plump, grey, wizened old things. Are you the guardians of Payne's Kiss? Who dares disrupt our discourse? Look, we're in a hurry. Oh, excuse us. Were we holding you up? Oh, yes. So sorry we were having a consultation that you rudely interrupted. What on earth could you have to say that is more important than that? God, this is torture already. We mean no harm. We need your help. And what kind of help would that be then, Fox? Surely you don't intend on taking our sacred flower. Our precious flower. Because if that was your intention... Then of course, we would have to... Cast you into the depths of the Crispian Sea! The dodos eyed them beadily, before Brother Gaidros spoke mysteriously. No one touches the Paean's kiss. We've been here for many a year, ever since we were told. If we stayed put, we'd be kaput back in the days of old. But we heard rumor of a tumor that grew in a far-off land. A root known as the pain's kiss, our purpose was at hand. We journeyed for millennia, many of our kin were slain. From famine and exhaustion, but their last words were
like centuries. We finally had a lead to follow. A whisper spoke of a healing flower in a, in a world called Wild Hollow. By this time there, there were only three dodos left alive. We knew our time was running thin, existence was on the line. So we sailed and we strode and we swam and we crawled and we climbed. Until the blessed moment did arrive. We found this place and from the ground it grew. A single flower, we knew what we must do. We made a pact, the flower was ours. And Dodo blood would ever flow our veins. No one else could ever use it. The flower's power, they would exhaust it. We couldn't risk extinction once again. But that was years ago. Almost 400 years ago. The flower's properties dwindle with every passing day. We use the flower, it grows again. But every cycle is weaker than. The time before, it's simply a question of how much longer. Mad. You don't see. We need to convince them somehow. I found the mackerel, if that helps. I think they have more of a hunger for intellectual conversation than pocket fish salami. Artemis, Osric and Salami spun towards the screech as Kane delivered a second walloping blow to the nearest dodo. Violence! A threat to the flower! I've been maimed! I've been very badly maimed! Dodos! Execute defensive stance! Kill them! <laughs> The dodos sprang towards Kane, snapping their razor-sharp beaks. Artemis, Osric and Salami leapt into action, battling the birds away from their reptilian comrade. Artemis socked the fattest dodo in the solar plexus, stunning him briefly. She turned to help the others, but was stopped by a familiar smell. Wait a minute. She clambered up the rock face, following the scent. She reached the summit before staring in wonderment. Oh, for the love of... She called down to the brawl below. Stop fighting! Get here. The rabble fell silent. Cain, who had been dangling one of the dodos over the edge of the cliff, tossed the bird onto the dirt. Salami crawled out from behind a rock. Everyone peered up at Artemis. I'm serious. Get up here. Curiously, they scrambled up the rocky wall. One by one, they heaved themselves over the top. The sight that lay before them rendered the entire group speechless. But, but there's only meant to be one of them. Apparently not. Atop the peak of the Heathcliffs, spread out like an ocean, was a meadow of Payne's Kiss. As far as the eye could see, the petals swayed gently in the breeze, each one indistinguishable from the single flower that rested below. Just how long were you three guarding that thing? 397 years. And four days. But this is extraordinary. The king is saved. Not yet he's not. Are we actually going to bring him the flower, or just stand around, savouring the happy moment? Kane's right. We need to move. The dodos waddled between the meadow and the pirates. Our purpose continues. We must protect 
Payne's kiss. However, without you, Fox Pirate, we would surely have perished. You may take one flower. Kane growled as he pushed past the dodos, snatching up the nearest flower and tossing it towards Osric. Shall we? The pair began the descent back down to the shore. Salami hovered at the edge of the meadow as the dodos turned to Artemis. Thank you, Fox Pirate. Your help is greatly appreciated. I didn't have much of a choice, but you're welcome. Teetering on the edge of extinction can wait a little longer. The dodos bowed deeply before waddling their way into the meadow. Unnoticed by anyone, Salami picked a second flower, hastily tucking it beneath her flipper. Pretty. Salami, let's go. Coming. The four arrived back at the Crown in their little rowboat. They hastily clambered aboard, rushing onto the deck. Artemis spotted one of the crab nurses and Benny the parrot emerge from the cabin. Who's the captain? Not good. You must hurry. Dying! Dying! Bring me a bowl, a jar and some seawater. Osric crushed the flower into a bowl with the pommel of his dagger. The purple petals melted into a dark, gooey paste. Salami rushed over with a cup full of seawater. The otter poured the paste and the water into a glass jar and shook hard. A luminous glow began to swell from within. It's working! We must get it to the captain! Osric turned towards the cabin, the jar of Payne's kiss now shining brightly. But suddenly, Benny the parrot swooped in, snatching the jar from the otter's paws. The bird flew high above the crew, a wild look in its eye. What are you doing? The parrot screeched menacingly. Its talons opened and the jar began to fall. It plummeted towards the ground. The jar hit the deck and shattered, the liquid disappearing between the cracks. The purple glow died. What have you done? Sabotage! Sabotage! Get that parrot! The crew gave chase as the parrot ducked and weaved in and out of the rigging. Benny cleared the final sail, ready to soar out across the open ocean. But there was a sudden swoosh and thud. <coughs> Artemis's blade pinned the parrot to the end of the bow. Benny was impaled. The shining dagger nestled deep in his feathers. The crew gathered round the withering bird. Why did you do that, traitor? Sabotage! Was it you who poisoned the pirate king? Orders following I Whose orders? They're everywhere. Everywhere. Give us the answers. The skies will rule the land and sea. And with that, the parrot's eyes rolled back, its small green body turning limp. The pirate stood, silent with shock. Another crab ran from the cabin and called out. The king is dead. Leslie is dead! Osric slowly sank to his knees. A tear rolled down Salami's cheek. They had failed. On, journey on, to a place we can't follow on, sail on.
we'll meet again beyond the morrow. Beyond the morrow, oh, 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 we'll meet again. Beyond the morrow, when we Pirate King's body lay peacefully inside a lead coffin. His eyes were closed. He could have been sleeping, but he wasn't. He was dead. Osric slid a pistol beneath the King's crossed arms before closing the lid of the casket. Lower him down. The King was lowered gently into the Crispian Sea, the crew stoically bidding farewell to their leader. The coffin sat atop the waves for the briefest of moments before being swallowed by the ocean. Ready? For the king we sail! For the king we sail! They shot their pistols into the sky, a final honor to their captain. Artemis hung back, taking in the sea. A moment passed before the crowd dispersed, and Osric made his way towards her. It's not every day you get to witness the burial of a pirate king. He clearly meant a great deal. The greatest Wild Hollow's ever known. How anyone's meant to replace him is beyond me. How do you replace a king? Well, it requires a gathering of the Council of the Sea Dogs. There must be a unanimous agreement of the successor, which, as you can imagine, isn't a straightforward conversation. But that's nothing compared to getting everyone together at the same time. Whoever planned the king's murder knew the mess it would make. And we've got nothing but riddles to go on. Osric walked to the guardrail, gazing out across the waves. <sighs> this isn't a small ocean, Artemis. What lies past the horizon is anyone's guess. We know Wild Hollow, but beyond that? Hmm. It could be years before the next Pirate King is chosen. He grimaced. In the meantime, gather round, you scurvy curs! As first mate, I have the unfortunate responsibility of taking temporary captaincy of this ship. And our first port of call. Osric pulled the whale song out from under his vest and handed it to Artemis. The crew exploded in outrage. If it wasn't for Artemis Grey, Payne's kiss would still be a myth. We made a bargain, and she's earned the song. Anybody disagree? The crew fell still. Nobody spoke. Cain glowered at the back of the crowd. Right then. Set sail for the giblets! Ah! Miss Grey, it's time to find your truth. You have been listening to a Shouting is Funny production. Artemis Grey was played by Heather Gordy. The roles of Osric and Brother Gyadros were played by Harvey Badger. Salami was played by Alice E. Mayer. 
The roles of Cain and Brother Cephalus were played by Christian Powsland. The roles of the narrator, Leslie the Pirate King, and Brother Imbrontatus were played by Angus Maxwell. The roles of Martha and Little Mollusk were played by Bethan Bark. Captain Sea Dog was played by Paddy Duff. The roles of Geoffrey and Pablo were played by Loris Scarper. The roles of Benny the Parrot and Madame Marlowe were played by Emma Levy. Additional backing vocals were provided by Anna Cookson. The role of Spider-Man was played by Tom Holland in the MCU movies. He'll never quite top Tobey Maguire for me, though. All additional roles were played by members of the company. All music was created in-house by Shouting Is Funny. You can visit our website at shoutingisfunny.com and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and support us further via our Patreon by simply searching Shouting Is Funny. Hi there, it's me again, uh, Christian, from Shouting Is Funny. You've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed it. Now, if you did enjoy it, please do consider leaving us some feedback. If you're on Spotify, you can use the five-star rating system. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review and or a rating. And if you want to go above and beyond to support the Chronicles of Wild Hollow, then please head over and leave us a review on podchaser.com. And while you're at it, why not go and follow Shouting Is Funny on Instagram and Twitter as well. All of this will massively help us to get our show out to more listeners and spread the word of Wild Hollow. And again, thanks for listening.